The first reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 12, starting at verse 2, which can be found on page 698 in your church Bibles. Isaiah chapter 12, starting at verse 2. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the well of salvation. In that day you will say, Give, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that, this, that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. This is the word of the Lord. So if you're comfortable to do so, please stand for the Gospel reading. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Sorry, the reading is Luke chapter 3, verses 7 to 18, and can be found on page 1029. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up the children for Abraham. The axe has been laid to the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? the crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize with you the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hands to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, Lord. Amen. We've just heard two readings. Isaiah, shout and sing for joy. Way! Yay! John the Baptist, you brood of vipers! Advent is a time of contrast. And I just want you to think about the week that you've just had. We're halfway through Advent now. Are you 
partying away, full of rejoicing with the old Gaudete Sunday? Or are you flagging a bit, to be honest? Are you a bit of a party pooper at this season? Because this is the time of year where it's been going for a while now, hasn't it? We've been cranking up towards Christmas and all the people in church are saying it starts earlier every year. Christmas cards are in the shops in September or August or May or whenever it was. And it's easy for us to, by this stage of the game, be beginning to feel the weight of it all and finding it hard to relate to Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman and Jingle Bells and all of that that everybody else seems to be getting carried away with out there. Where are you on that continuum between celebrating because it's such good news, even at the end of that John the Baptist reading, all about repentance and how we should mend our ways. Good news. Or the other end of the continuum. Knowing that it would be great to be celebrating, but actually... We're all a bit exhausted at this stage. We're all a bit aware that the story is lost in our culture, that there's this lot of partying going on out there, and it all feels a bit empty sometimes. And we want to say to people, what's underneath all this tinsel and stuff? We want them to know that a God is for life and not just for Christmas. And I don't know, maybe sometimes... We can kind of relate to John the Baptist and it'd be quite nice to clear off out to the desert and be separated from all that crazy culture, go a bit wild and put on the old, um, you know, animal skins and eat honey and I don't know about the locusts, but do you ever feel like just clearing away from it all, taking a break? It's just me then, is it? (laughs) No, okay, I thought one or two of you might know what I'm talking about those contrasts that we have at this stage of the season. And maybe sometimes when we think about the Christmas services, and the rotors are so stretched, aren't they? And we're all doubling up, those of us that are still here at Christmas that haven't gone off somewhere else. Sometimes you look at all those people who turn up for church at Christmas and expect it to be all glorious. I hope that none of us turn around and say to them, you brood of vipers. (laughs) I hope that we manage to welcome them. I'm sure we will. But do not say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. Do not say to yourselves, we know all the descants and all the harmonies to all the Christmas songs. We know all the words to the readings. People that walked in darkness. In the beginning was the word. John is telling us that judgment will come. That there will be a time when the valleys will be exalted. And if we believe that, then we have to be sure, as John is telling us, that the stuff we do isn't just an add-on, a little godly bit, a little badge that we wear coming to church at Christmas or whatever but that it's about a change of life because John's message is about repentance which means turning around, turning away making sure that our lives bear fruit it's a radical message 
And for some of us, the weight of all the preparations that we're doing, all the food and all the shopping and everything else, can feel like a weight that crushes us at this stage of the game, I think. And we're aware of how materialistic our world is, but also how we're caught up in that. And we, we don't want our kids to grow up being materialistic, but on the other hand, we buy them stuff because we're caught up in that. We don't want to compromise, and yet we do. We're aware that we suffer from um, what somebody once called affluenza. How do we make those choices? How do we find our way through? And it can leave us feeling very insecure, and it can leave us feeling a huge weight of guilt. So, my Advent gift to you this morning is two long words. This is hopefully going to be a short sermon, but two long words, because I'm hoping to equip us, those of us who feel sometimes that we're, instead of, well, hey, partying along, we're staggering under the burden of this, this stage of Advent. And those two long words are to do with that burden that we carry, and... I'm hoping to give us something in our our survival kit. Conviction and condemnation. And this is not original. Somebody taught me this a long time ago, and I've often been grateful that they did. When we're feeling crushed by that guilt, how do we make the ethical choices? Do we decide to have our nails done or feed a family for a month? You You know, whatever it is. When we're feeling crushed and weighed down by that burden, do I need to stand somewhere else to stop it making that noise, John? Sorry, it's buzzing a bit. I'll try over here. Um, when we're feeling crushed down, the question that we need to ask about this burden that we're carrying is a question about conviction versus condemnation. Because if that burden is the Holy Spirit convicting us, then it's good news. We can change our life. We can mend our ways. John the Baptist will be happy. (laughs) We can always be sure that when we are carrying a burden that God has given us, he will give us a solution, a way forwards, a practical help. And as in the reading from John, it will be something practical because it's to do with the real world, the world that Jesus came into, the world where there's tax evasion and the world where there's inequality. And if someone has no shirt and you have two, it'll be a sensible, practical, oh, okay, I can give him one. But we read these things and we think, but how? How does that apply to me in my world, in my culture? And we get crushed and we get weighed down. So I want to say to you, if it's the Holy Spirit convicting you, you will be given clear if you're open to God and asking for help, you will be given a clear way to to go forwards, to deal with whatever it is. And it will be practical. And it won't just be showing you all the need. It will be showing you what you, with your, realistically, with today's energies, with the cold that you're snuffling under or whatever it might be, it will be something realistic and practical that you can do to find the way forwards. And that is when you know the Holy Spirit is convicting you you can make a choice to go God's way, to repent, to turn, to sort it out. On the other hand, if that burden that you're staggering under is not of God, if you're feeling 
oh my goodness, I'm doing my head in, trying to make these choices, and there is no way forwards. Then we're talking about condemnation, and condemnation doesn't come from God. And you'll all be able, or many of you, I'm sure, because many of you grew up in a day of learning Bible verses, will be able to quote with me, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So that's it, really. Way forward, through all the contrasts and struggles of Advent, sounds really simple. I'm going to try and go away and practice what I preach. (laughs) Is it of God, in which case there will be a way forwards, or is it just a condemnation? Can I just put this burden down? Because it's not of God. God didn't send his son to condemn us and make us feel bad and make us feel, oh, I'm so materialistic and I shouldn't be. Jesus came into the real world with all the same sort of struggles of, you know, financial misconduct. It's there in the reading. Inequality, poverty. And um, once again, the good old lectionary readings have frustrated me. There's a verse before the verse that Quinton just read to us from Isaiah. The reason for all our rejoicing and singing about the salvation that we have in God is because God has turned his anger away from us. So put down all that burden of condemnation. Because God isn't angry with us anymore. And I love that bit in that Isaiah reading about drawing from the wells of salvation. That that freedom, you know, we don't need to feel like we're trying to, you know, party away at dancing with our feet set in cement. Because God has given us that freedom. We don't need to feel that we're struggling on our own because Jesus came among us into all of this real stuff. And we can draw from the wells of salvation. I like to think of it as, you know, whatever your favorite Christmas tipple is. You know, you get all those barrels with taps on, don't you? Anytime you want to, that freedom is there. You don't need to be struggling under that burden. Because God will either help you unpack it and deal with it, if it's something he's convicting you of, or if it's just some random condemnation that you really don't need, you can just forget it because he sets you free from that. You can draw from the wells of salvation anytime you want. So, let us go forwards into all the muddle and mayhem of the Christmas season, resolve to party and resolve to celebrate and resolve to be the ones that have fun. And let's celebrate with Santa Claus and Frosty the Snowman and all the others, because it's worth jingling our jingle bells about. God is among us. Let's remember that, let's celebrate that, and the rest will follow. Amen.